Hi, good morning. Uh, isn't God so good? He's so good. Jesus, the greatest gift the world has ever seen. When people talk about um, how different God treated humans in the Old Testament, and you see all the different um, stories of how the Israelites overtook um, city after city and wiped out entire nations, and they ask, you know, how can that God be good? Well, you have to understand, Jesus... (laughs) Jesus made that big of a difference. He lifted the curse off of us. He lifted the sin identity off of us so that God could restore us. So I encourage you during this season, um, don't just think about the presence and the gifts. And I know that we say that all the time, but really set aside a time to thank God for his son, Jesus, that brings us eternal life, that brings us redemption, that sets our identity, our true destiny back into motion. Um, So today what we're talking about, um, I I called this sermon the title, uh, A Call to Return. Um, And I believe that God is moving the church right now into the promised land. And I'm going to explain that. Uh, When he called Abraham, he brought him into the promised land. He gave him all these promises, but but Abraham had to wait for the promised child, right? And so Abraham waited and waited and waited. Finally, he had this promised child. But along the way, God blessed Abraham significantly. He blessed his land. his, um, his, His life was full. His life was very full. And, um, and then uh, Jacob's 12 sons returned back into Egypt, and that's where we see slavery started happening, right? After, after they went back into Egypt, and, and then the Israelites were in slavery, they had to be taken out of slavery again, right? Well, I see that God has written the church's history very, very similar to how Israel's history is written. Um, because when Jesus came, he introduced the kingdom of heaven. And he said, we can have the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's near you. It's, it's among you. And then, and then when, the, when he died, the 12 apostles were given the kingdom of heaven. And they lived fully in it. There, there were healings. There was resurrection. There was life. There was so much life in the church. There was unity among the church. And um, for so long, the church has believed that, well, that was just back for those days. That just happened in the past. But God is kind of ruining that theology by replicating so many of those events right now, and it's growing. It's just growing. So, um, so I believe that just as God brought Abraham in to the promised land, his 12 sons lived, or 12 
grandsons, great-grandsons, lived in the promised land. It's, it's a picture of this, the same thing as the apostles. The 12 apostles lived in the promised land. And um, God gave me a picture one day, and it was, it was really profound. Um, but he showed me that when he poured out his spirit on the apostles, he poured out the kingdom of heaven in, in so much of its fullness. And then as the apostles died... I saw seeds going into the ground, and it was like, and, and Jesus said, in order for something to produce, the seed has to go into the ground and die. And he also says, the kingdom of heaven is like a small seed that goes into the ground, and then when it grows up, it becomes the largest tree, and all of the birds come and make its uh, nest in the tree, right? So, um, so we see this growth principle. and. Um, just as the just as the Israelites were brought back into slavery, we see that huge burst of the church living in the kingdom of heaven, and then all of a sudden, it's just it's nothing, right? It's like we were brought. It, it's like we lived right back into slavery. There's there's the dark ages. I mean, there was a, an intense time of persecution, right? Satan just goes after the believers like hardcore, and then. It's just dark for so long. And then Martin Luther enters the scene. And he's like, no, we can have salvation through faith. Like, you can have forgiveness. You don't have to go through all these different forms of, of I'm, I'm not sure what it's called, penitence or, um, anyway, those different um, things that you have to do to be saved. You don't have to do that. You can just be saved through faith. And he... He laid down that foundation, and, I f and God laid another layer of, of, um, of kingdom, kingdom principle on the church. And we see that growth just take over the whole world again. And so we see growing, growing, growing. And I believe right now, God is taking the church from this wilderness area, which I'm going to explain more in a little bit, to the promised land. We are entering into the promised land or the kingdom of heaven to a place where we will be able to live in the power of God. We will be able to stay in step with him. We will be able to carry the anointing that he wants us to carry. Um, so first off, I'm just going to talk about, I'm going to speak to um, three different places that you might be. And the first place is Egypt. You might still be in Egypt. Um, and I want to talk to all those people, even online, people dealing with sin. Um, you, you've heard of God. You, you might know God. Um, but you're still trying to decide. You're still trying to decide whether or not to follow him. And leaving Egypt is a principle where, where God takes you out. He calls you his own. He washes you. And in the church uh, in the church area, we just, um, era, we call that salvation. God saves you. Um, but sometimes you pray the prayer and, and you don't see any change. You pray a prayer of Jesus, I love you, like I want forgiveness, please help me, but you don't see any kind of change in your life. And, and sometimes no change can lead you to becoming so discouraged that you stay in Egypt. You decide, this isn't real, it's not for me, this is too hard, and so you stay in Egypt. 
And I want to encourage you where you're at right now um, that that faith, that sometimes you're not going to see the growth that you want just overnight. You might not even see it, you know, over, over years. It might take you years to come out of the sin that you're fighting. But I encourage you, you will see it if you, if you stand your ground, you hold fast, and you just keep asking God for more grace, asking God to help you. Um, every sin can be conquered, but you have to know it, you have to know it up here. You have to know it up here that you're forgiven. You have to know that, um, that you're set free here before you can see it actually in your life. Um, does that make sense? All right, so, so leaving Egypt. Egypt is a place where we're stuck in the same sin. We have unbelief. Uh, we're wavering between two masters. And um, you have to understand you don't belong there. God has a bigger plan for you. And you also have to understand that if you believe that sin is worth, is worth pursuing, that it's worth allowing into your life, uh, you need to ask God right now, if you're listening to me and you believe that, ask God right now to open your eyes. Because sin is ugly. Sin is ugly. And I believe God gives us really ugly things in our lives. I mean, there's like, there's the bathroom, for instance. I believe that he, he gives us those things so that we have something to compare sin to. Sin is a terrible, terrible, ugly, ugly thing. And just like, uh, you know, I remember back to high school, there was always, you know, the person in the room that just wasn't cool. I don't believe that now because everyone's made in the image of God, and I, I know that, but in during my high school um, years, you know, I was like, okay, that person's not cool, that person's cool. Well, the person in heaven, the person that's in sin is not cool. <laughs> just not cool. So um, just know that for eternity, the, the master that you are serving is a loser, total loser. And you need to just get out of that sin right now. <laughs> Draw the line in the sand. Um, Another thing that you need to know is that your sin doesn't define you. So you're, you're struggling in this sin, and maybe, maybe it keeps coming back to you. That sin wants to define you. That sin wants to come in and make his home with you and say, I live here, I'm your master. And because you see the fruit of sin in your life, you say, well, I must just still be a sinner, and I just, and you give up over time. You're, you, you, you thought that there was a heart change, but you still see the fruit of sin, so you know you get discouraged, and then eventually you might want to give up. But I want to encourage you that once you come in a relationship with Christ, your sin is done away with. The power of sin is completely broken, um, and there's no condemnation for you. So let me read Romans 8, 1 through 5. Um, well, just here. So, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell a story really quick that we, um, we have a pretty old house that John and I live in. And um, seriously, when we first moved in, I honestly thought we lived on a giant ant hill. Like, there were ants everywhere. In my home, like, they would get in in the tub. They would get in in every crack and cranny you can imagine. And I was just horrified. I had no idea what to do. And... And it seemed like 
any time I didn't, I didn't wipe the table or pick up a sticky, you know, wipe the table off after there was a spill, I mean, instantly, there would be ants, like, it was just like I was living outside, and, um, but it really was terrible, um, and, and, and it felt like, and that is how the enemy works with our sin, it's like, anytime you do something, he is always there to, to, to draw attention to it, anytime you do something that's in sin, he's always there, right at your ear to say, oh, you just did that, oh, you did that, oh, you did that. And it's like sirens go off, his sirens go off, and he starts saying, oh, this is you, this is you, this is you. This defines you. And, um, and sometimes we hear that, we think it's God speaking to us. We think that it's God condemning us. But Jesus, Jesus completely did, did away with condemnation. Once we come in Christ, we are a new creation. We have to renew our minds in that, that God is not here pointing out your sin. Because what, what does that do? It breaks your relationship with God. Because once you become so aware of your sin, you cover your face. Man, I've done this so many times. You just cover your face because you can't, you're like, oh, I can't do this, God. I can't do this. So then it keeps you away from reading the word. It keeps you away from seeking his face, from from. Uh, being in that quiet place with him because you feel like you're not good enough. You just can't constantly be in this holy presence when there's so much sin that you just can't keep up with. Um, so once some good friends of ours, uh, thank you if you're listening, um, told us how to get rid of ants. And it's just, I can't remember what it's called. Um, but it worked amazingly. We drew a, or we just go around our house and leave a, a line of this spray, and it works great. And no ants can get in. And God gave me that like picture. This is that's how the blood of Christ works, you know. Because once once you're covered with the blood, I don't I don't listen to any condemnation. When God speaks to me about my sin, He does it in such an encouraging way. He He He. He presents it to me in a way that I want to change. I want to change. I want to do the right thing. And even when I can't, my sin is between me and him and no one else. And, and it's, it's not, I'm not saying, you know, get out of my life, you can't judge me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying between the enemy, you and God, the enemy cannot speak about your sin to you. And, it, and you have to... Jesus says, my, my sheep will hear my voice and they will follow me. They will listen to me. It's taken me a long time to discern the Father's voice versus the enemy's voice. The enemy is always speaking condemnation on you. Always. He is so sly. He will try so hard to sound like the Father. He will try so hard to sound like, to sound like God that's like a holy presence that says, I'm here to clean you. I'm here to change you. And you're not changing fast enough. Like, that's, that's how Satan works. You're not doing this fast enough. You're not good enough. And whenever, now I know, whenever that hopeless realization comes on me that, that I'm not doing something, I know it's not from the Lord. I just, I don't even pay attention to it because it can't speak to me. It cannot speak to me. And so I just want, I want to speak that over you. If you're dealing with, um, with condemnation, that's never the heart of the Father ever. Um, so let me continue on. 
So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses went unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So I'm gonna stop there. But Jesus, Jesus completely annihilated sin's power in your life. So why, why do we still see sin? It's because God is all about the process because, because as you go through the process, you are refined. Your desires are refined. When we're in sin, our desires are for sin, right? We just want everything that's sinful. We just wanna please our flesh, please our flesh, please our flesh. But when you come into the king, kingdom, when you come into right, relation, right relationship with Jesus, and Jesus frees you from those desires and he keeps you, uh, he keeps you in line with his desires. He starts, he starts giving you his, his thoughts. He starts replacing your thoughts with his, his thoughts. But um, in, order to, in order to be free from your, your sin, you have to be willing to go through the process. So say you're dealing with something that you can't get rid of. You keep doing it over and over again. How you, get, how you tackle that sin is you have to get with Jesus. Jesus is the only one that will renew your mind. He will, he's the only one that will, be, that will give you the strength to uh, actually change your way, right? Change what you, change what you want to change in yourself. And um, so... He kind of gave me this idea. Sometimes we, we look at a law, we look at a rule like, like, don't hate. And we try to follow that, like, I'm not going to hate, I'm not going to hate, I'm not going to hate. And try to follow that as best, best as you can to your ability. But you're just, you're just trying so hard. You're coming from behind, like, doot, doot, you know, going back in between two, like, um, bowling, I don't know. I just saw, like, a bowling alley, and they have those... Runners that, yeah, the, the gutter fillers, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're just, you're just trying. You're just trying so hard, but you're, you're barely able to do it. But if you spend time with Jesus, just sit at his feet, time in, in, time in the word, that is the only way you will be able to overcome your sin. That is the only way. So you sit with Jesus, you worship him, you be with him. You say, God, change this about me. Change this about me. I need help. And um, I know that that's pretty elementary, but, but man, we can, get, we can get away from that, can't we? We can get away with just sitting in his presence. We can, it's easy to just start doing, doing, doing. I want to be this. I want to be this. When, when, and when we don't just sit in his presence, you're, you're dying. Your spirit is dying. I tell my son that all the time. When you're not spending time with Jesus, you're not being fed. And you, even though you don't feel it, you can't see it, you're slowly dying. So anyway, um, yeah, I encourage you guys, whatever sin you are dealing with, um, an issue, and I just throw that word sin around because like, 
I know my sin. I'm the greatest sinner. Like, I've got a list. I've got a list that I'm working on. But I only do it in the presence of God. Like, John doesn't talk to me about my sin. <laughs> really doesn't. He's the most gracious man ever. Um, and, and I don't hear the voice of the enemy condemning me anymore. Like, I won't allow it. Um, okay, so the next process, the next thing I want to talk about is going through the wilderness. Because the, the Israelites were taken out of Egypt, and then they were brought into the wilderness. So you've seen God do great things, right, in your life. If you've been brought out of Egypt, you've been freed from your sin, you've seen God do great things in your life. You've seen the change. Um, you've seen what you were before and what you are now. But um, the wilderness is a testing ground. So we go through, we go from leaving Egypt into the wilderness. And John, John Bevere has a really great study on this. Um, but he says, you know, the Israelites were only supposed to walk through the wilderness and then just keep on going. You know, it wasn't supposed to be a place where they were destined to, to die. You know, uh, the older generation all died in the wilderness. They had to stay there for 40 years because they were, they were blaming him. They were, they were being offended at him. And um, so I'll read this, Psalm 95, 8 through 11. The Lord says, Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience. Even though they saw everything I did, for 40 years I was angry with them. And I said, They are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest. So we have an encounter with God. We've seen him move, but we're tired. We get tired of doing the same thing, of fighting the same battle over and over. And so then we start getting offended at God because all of us have a storyline in our heads, right? At least I do. I'm not going to speak for everybody. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to keep following after God and then he's going to heal me. Then he's going to redeem me and I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep on growing, but it never looks exactly like what we want it to, right? Life just throws things at you, and it looks differently. It really does than, than what we thought. And, and how long we stay in the wilderness depends on our reaction to the change in plans of, of what we thought might happen. We have to refuse to be offended at God. We have to refuse to um, think that he's against us. You have to take a place. Uh, you have to become a warrior in your heart of anything that would speak other than truth about God. Um, you have to become. You have to become somebody that is um, stubborn. <laughs> stubborn in your belief about God. That no matter what I see, no matter what I have to endure. God is good, God is for me, God wants the best for me, he wants my healing, he wants freedom for me, he wants my deliverance, he wants me to be blessed, he wants me to get out of poverty. You have to believe these things. You can't believe them if you're not spending time with them though because he's the one that tells you, he's the one that makes your heart sure of his heart. He's the one that speaks life and speaks his promises over you. 
You have to spend time with him. You have to be with him. All right, so, so I'm going to read Hebrews 12, 4 through 13. After all, you have not yet given your lives in, in your struggle against sin. Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord's disi- discipline, sorry, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is not disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means you're illegitimate and not really his child at all. Since we've respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our, of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is ever enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall, but become strong. So when you're in the wilderness, it's going to be a time of testing. It's going to be dry. You're not going to receive a word from the Lord normally. You're not going to get those really encouraging like things that he does, like, oh, God, it's just so amazing. He's just speaking to me all the time right now. Like in the wilderness, it's a season of hardship, really. It's a season of testing. It's a season of, wow, I just brought you through the Red Sea, so what, how are you going to treat me? How, what is your response to that? What is your response of faith to that? Are you going to, are you going to um, complain? Are you going to bicker? Are you going to be bitter towards me? This is, this is God speaking to us. I'm bringing you to a time of testing. What is your response? And if you're going to be bitter towards him, you're going to stay in that wilderness a while. In fact, you might never leave it. And that's a really, really sad thing. But in order to get out of the wilderness, (laughs) you have to fight. You have to fight for truth in your heart, that God is good, that God loves me. You have to get into his word, and you have to wrestle. You have to wrestle with your flesh. of your old beliefs, your old mindset that God is against me, that God wants me to, uh, I don't know, be punished, that God wants me condemned, that, well, God just did this to me because I did that a long time ago, and this is just where he wants me. Like, if you're in a place of pain, if you're in a place of suffering, of poverty, of anything that's, that's negative, God doesn't want you there. He doesn't want you to stay there. He wants you to grow out of that. He, he made you for so much more than the little things that the enemy throws at us. But if you don't know that, you're not going to fight it. You're just going to receive it as, oh, well, this is, this is the life that God has given me. And you're going to stay there. So in order to get out of the wilderness, you have to know truth, 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 truth. You just, you have to know truth. God is for you. God wants wants your best. 
and the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came so that we could have life, abundant life. Are you in a place of abundant life right now? If you're not, get ready. (laughs) He wants to move you into that place of abundant life. He created you for abundant life. That's the whole reason Jesus came. That's the whole reason Jesus came. You think that he left heaven, he gave up everything that he had in heaven just so that we could barely make it here on the earth. No way. It's a long process. It is. It's a hard process. But that's, that's the way he's chosen. I don't fully understand it. But I know that as I go through the process as, and I look back, even no matter how hard the process is, I look back on it and I'm like, wow, God, I see what you were doing. I never even knew that I needed to go through that. But now that I'm out of that, I'm like, I'm so full. I'm so much more full of life. I'm so, more, I'm so much more disciplined. I'm so much more obedient to your voice. Um, so, so entering the promised land, that's the third, that's the third um, place we're going to talk about. I believe that this is where the church is crossing over right now. We're crossing over into a place where we sustain walking in the spirit. I had a dream about five years ago, and <laughs> I was crying out to God all the time, like, God, give me more of you. And I, you know, I was, I was just in a place of, like, I just wanted more of God, you know? And I, I didn't feel like I was getting a whole lot more, but I was hungry. And I had a dream one night that I was like, I don't know, I was like floating. I was kind of, it almost seemed like I was in the spirit realm, if I could say that. I don't really understand that. But I saw a spirit float by me, and he said, walk in the spirit, stay in step with the spirit. And I yelled back at him, and I said, I am. And he said, not all the time. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, I think it's so funny, because it, it reminds me of like Scrooge, and the, no, not, what, who is that, Scrooge? Is it Scrooge? Yeah, and, the, and like the three ghosts. Right? Okay, yeah. Sorry, I thought of like Scrooge McDuck and like that version of it. I'm like, maybe that isn't. <laughs> okay, but anyway, so yeah, it was a funny dream. But when I woke up, I was like, what? Like, I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. And from, from that day forward, I, I started like moment by moment. I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? Okay, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? And like, and I was doing my best. You know, you just have to start somewhere. But, but in order to walk into the promised land, you have to stay in step with the Spirit. And that takes discipline. It takes hunger. It takes desire for God and nothing else. We have to love God with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And if we don't love him like that, we won't be able to stay in step with him. If there's still desires of the world clinging onto us, we won't be able to stay in step with him. I thought at that time five years ago that I was just like, God, like, I love you so much. And then, and he's always too willing to reveal just one more thing that you need to get rid of. There's, there's always a process. But are you in a place where your heart is on fire for God, where nothing else matters? 
And if you're not, it's okay. Ask him. Ask him to change your desires. I remember, I think it was like 10 years ago, and I, I remember having like a thread of desire to be with God. I was just like, it was just a very, very thin thread. But I knew it was the right thing. And I knew I was at a crossroads in my life. And, and I, I held on to that desire. And I said, God, I don't feel like being with you right now. I don't feel like following you. I want to go this way, and you want to take me this way. And I, and I just, I took that moment, I held on to it, and I said, God, help me. Give me your desires. Give me your heart. Help me to want to love you. Help me to want to be with you. Help me to want to be in your word. And now, when I find myself in a place where I'm not hungry, I treat it as if it's as dangerous as drowning. Like, if I find myself in a place where I'm not, like, hungry for God, like, like I need more of you, I have to stop and be like, whoa, that's a very, very, very dangerous place to be. Extremely dangerous place to be. We have to make sure that our fire is burning inside, keeping our zeal all the time. And who does that? Only God does that. You can't just make that happen. You can't just will it. You have to be like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make time in my day for God. I'm gonna set aside time in my day for God. And there's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. We, like when God was really convicting me of this, I was like, like God, I just don't have time to be with you. And he gave me a picture of women that, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, that had to work for their living and they still had kids. And guess what? The food was worked for, the food was brought in, no matter what. Because, because that woman was so, uh, so passionate about keeping her family alive. Alive, And God sees when we're passionate about something. God can't be fooled. And it says that God can't be mocked. Like, we, we think that we, we know ourselves. We think that, like, we've got this whole Christian thing down. Like, yeah, like, I'll go, to, I'll go to church on Sunday, and then I'll live my life, live my life. Oh, and then I'll do a little Bible here, a Bible there. Don't walk in condemnation, but get serious about it. If you're really wanting to follow after God, you have to get serious about it. And God is bringing the whole world, the whole church body into a place where you're gonna go through a crossroads and you're gonna see, I can't live with mediocre, mediocre um, obedience anymore. I can't live in that place. And you won't be able to. You won't be able to sustain what's coming. You won't be able to sustain your faith for what's coming. There's hardships coming ahead. You need to get serious now. You have to get serious now. So, so spend time with the Lord on that. Say, Lord, I, I need your help. I don't feel super excited about being with you. The, the flesh wants to do this. I, guys, I live this. This is my... I wish I could say I, I had it all down and I always wanted to be with the Lord, but, but man, when it gets to be 8 o'clock at night 
and I'm like looking forward to watching a movie or something, and God's like, no, I want you to be with me. I'm just like, okay. You know, and sometimes I'm like, all right, well, I compromise. I'm like, all right, I'll do 45 minutes, and then I'll come and be with you. But that's not, that's not even acceptable, guys. It really isn't. It's not good, but I'm, I'm in a process. I'm growing. And that's, that's where we're all at. Um, I, uh, I just have to share this, because I was talking with my friend Christina this morning, and I was just sharing my heart, sharing some things that were on my heart, and she said, oh my goodness, you have to go open your present right now, because she had brought me a Christmas gift. She's so sweet. She's amazing. Um, and anyway, so I opened it up, and she's like, this cross is for you, and this cross is for your husband. And because this, you know, this is manly, this looks tough. And, um, but I just, I was just in awe at both of these because there's two different crosses here, right? One, I don't know if you guys can see, but one's super flowery. It says she is clothed in strength and dignity and laughs without fear of the future. And what I was talking to Christina about was that we can't have, we can't have uh, no fear and disobedience. Like, you can't walk in fearlessness of life. Like, Jesus tells us, don't be fearful. But if you're being disobedient, you can't have both of them. You're going to be afraid if you're being disobedient. The only way you can walk in a place of of trust and courage and strength is if you're being obedient in each and everything that he's asking you to do. And I love this because I see this cross, and it just... It's so dear to me. It just makes me cry because this, this is our life. Like, it's ugly. And there's, there's our flesh that has to die. And you have to, you have to learn how to stay in a place where your flesh is dead. And that's where God is calling us to. That's, that's where the church is heading into now. He's making us warriors. He's calling us to be warriors. So if we want this, if we want to be clothed in strength and dignity, and we laugh <laughs> at the future that is to come, we laugh at the winter that's about ready to come, if you want that, you have to embrace this. You have to embrace this daily and no more overindulgence. You have to cut it off and get serious. So anyway, I want you guys to spend some time, if I could get some music, I want you guys to just spend some time with the Lord right now, praying and asking him whatever measure of faith that you have, whatever measure, and wherever you're at in the process, ask him for more. Spend some time asking him for more because he is so good and so abundant. He will give you what you ask. If you're asking for freedom, he will give you that. But you have to stand your ground. We receive righteousness by faith. We don't receive righteousness by trying, trying so hard. We receive it by faith. And of course, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of our will. But it starts with the grace of God, the grace that God gives you. Let him replace your thoughts with his thoughts. Let him renew your mind with his mind. All right, so just take some time and then I will come and close in prayer in a few minutes.
Jesus said, remain in me, and I will remain in you. Remain in my love, and you will produce much fruit. He said, I am the vine, you are the branch. And sometimes we, as branches, we just try so hard to produce so much fruit. And it is, it's really impossible. We have to stay connected to the vine by refusing to hide our face. I'll be fasting, and in the middle of my fast, I'll just like have a weak moment, and I'll, I'll just indulge, I'll eat. But I'll do it with thanksgiving, knowing that God loves me still. I said, thank you, God, for this food, because I'm breaking this fast. But I love you. You see my heart? This fast is for you. It's an act of worship. It's not an act of the law. I'm free from the law. I'm free from condemnation. And my fast is between me and you. Whatever, whatever sin, whatever is entangling you, never allow it to hinder your relationship with God. Stay connected to Him. Stay connected to Him. No matter what Satan is, is telling you in your ear, the lies that he's speaking over you, stay connected to Jesus. He loves you. He loves you. He's the one that wants to instantly, once your feet have been in sin, he's the one that's down on his knees, washing your feet. That's where, that's where his place is, that's the place he's chosen to be. He loves us so much. Let him wash your feet every time and just be thankful for his grace. God, thank you so much for this process that you're willing to take us through. God, I just pray that you give us endurance and strength to stand our ground against every temptation and to just love you in the struggle, to have faith and receive our righteousness by faith. God, I just pray that you bless each one of us here Help us to have a great holiday season. And God, help us to make time for what is most important, the only thing that will bear fruit in our lives, spending time with you and seeking your face. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, bless you guys. Love you.